I was a part of a youth ministry growing up that was pretty strong. We had retreats, and fall retreat was the big retreat for the year. We would get 300 high schoolers and middle schoolers up at a camp up north, and it was a blast. We'd have so much fun. And every year carried with it a theme. And sometimes we'd do medieval, sometimes we'd have, you know, different cell phone carriers. That was one year. I don't know why. Cell phone carriers. That was, that was it. That was what we did. But one year was unlike any other year, where the advertising came and it came to them sharing the theme for the retreat, and they said, the theme is me. It's the me retreat. Join us for the me retreat. Well, that's a real go-getter. I'm going to sign up for that one. The me retreat. I mean, there's a lot of things you could think about that. Um, And it really ended up being uh, a me retreat where, uh, you know, they had the same amount of numbers, the same sign-ups, lots of kids, scholarships, lots of energy went in. But they gathered all the kids in the gymnasium and said, you guys pick the buses. Usually we assign buses, but you guys, go ahead. Pick whatever bus you want. Pick your friends. You can sit in seats, you know, do whatever, do whatever you want. It's, it's a me retreat. Go ahead. Well, some kids were unhappy about that because they love order. How many of us love order? Yes, many of us love order. And then they, they take a three-hour bus ride in these, you know, self-appointed buses up to Camp uh, Big Sandy Lake. And uh, the me retreat commences, and they show up, and they, they, they show out all these prizes on stage. And these are the prizes that typically they would, they would give out to kids that uh, are the memory verse winners. And some of our, our kids are big achievers when it comes to memory verses. So they said, here's the prizes that you could win for the me retreat. We got a PlayStation. At the, back then it was a PlayStation 3. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you could win a, a trip to go to a Twins game. You could win all these prizes. And they said, they're yours. All you got to do is just get enough people to say that you deserve that prize. Okay. So kids like, sure, I want a PS3. So the kid go so kids are getting up grabbing stuff. They're grabbing these boxes and they're like, I deserve the PS3 because I listen to my parents. I get good grades. I do all these good things. I'm awesome. And then there's other kids that are grabbing some of the other stuff, the Twins tickets. I deserve these Twins tickets. And there's groups that have gathered around, and it's kind of like uh, um, Lord of the Flies. And the kids are forming tribes against each other, and they're cheering, and, they're, and, and, and it's like, what is going on in this retreat? And uh, some of the leaders are coming to the youth pastor saying, youth pastor, what's going on? What's going on? What's next? Where's the schedule? Well, you guys decide the schedule. Let's have the kids decide the schedule. Oh, okay. So they start coming up with the schedule and they're like, well, we're going to do fun here, fun here. I, you know, and then there's the kids that are like, I want some Bible. So we got to do the Bible thing. And then you're kind of putting together the schedule. And it's all happening. It is chaos at Big Sandy Camp. And there's kids shouting, I deserve a PlayStation. There's 
chaos. And then some of the, the seniors. Seniors, imagine. This is your senior retreat. This is the thing you look forward to every year. You had cry nights around the campfire where God broke your heart. And you're like, I want that same experience again. And you're, they're coming back for it. And they're like, what is this? What is going on? Well, it's the me retreat. Go ahead. Join in. And they're like, no. I want God. What are you doing, youth pastor? What's going on? It's the me retreat. And so chaos ensues. It's noisy, noisy, noisy. And then the youth pastor rings the gong. Calls everybody's attention forward. It says, guys, we're putting a halt to it. There's a purpose behind this. The me retreat was to show just how self-centered and prideful we can just be. And let's analyze what just happened. And that was his first message that first night was so often. So often we are centered on me and what I can get and how I can advance myself and how I can move the ball forward. Me, me, me. The me retreat was tragic to start. But it turned a corner. And yes, they had schedules. Yes, they had, they had plans. Yeah. Yes, things ended up working out. But isn't that true of us? If we're left to our own devices, many times our flesh takes control. We, in the driver's seat, drives the vehicle off the road. So tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 3 and looking at what, what Paul is saying when he says, no more boasting. He's approaching a church in Corinth that has many problems, and we're three chapters into his first letter, and he's addressing some of these big problems, that there is some serious pride that's going on. And so the thesis this morning, the direction we're going, this is, this is the point we can go to the next slide. That when we flee pleasing our ego, we are free to live in the gospel humility Christ calls us to. When we flee pleasing our ego, we are free to live in the gospel humility Christ calls us to. You know, the Corinthian church Paul is, uh, Paul is writing the letter to was in division. They had factions, they had so many issues that were going on. And the root cause of the divisions is because of pride and boasting. There was classes that had been established within their church. One thing I love about Berean, especially when we were moving into town and people were helping us move into our house, they accepted everyone, no pretense. It was beautiful. But that was not the case with Corinth. The root cause of the division was pride and boasting. And if you ask C.S. Lewis, he will tell you that the root cause of all sorts of evil is pride. That, that the worst sin is pride. You know, traditional views, you know, when we look at our culture, traditional views that, that have been held uh, that the root cause of evil in the world was too high of a view of yourself. When you look back historically, when the world was more collective than in the American dream, 
when, when, when it was more about uh, families and more about um, uh, the, the collectivist mind view, uh, the root cause of, of, of much evil traditionally was having a too high a view of ourselves, having a pride. But modern Western culture in the U.S. Uh, follows the opposite. It's very different. We say uh, people misbehave because they have too low a view of themselves. There was this movement years ago, and it kind of got squashed, about helping kids out because they have too low self-esteem. I remember hearing that language when I was growing up, that, oh, these kids, they have too low self-esteem. They need help with their, lo- with their self-esteem. And that's, that, that, that's kind of how it works sometimes in our culture, and some people still champion that cause. But there's the traditional view, and then there's the modern view. But there's also the gospel view, is that pride keeps us from living out gospel humility. And pride keeps us from living the way that God desires for us. There's a quote that helps to illustrate this in The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, uh, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to the Sexual Revolution. There's a quote by uh, Carl R. Truman. He says this, Every age has its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives but to understand its problems and respond appropriately to them. If we can flip to the next slide so everybody can see it. It's an interesting take on how this individualism works out. Is that, you know, there's darkness and danger at uh, at every turn. Every age has its darkness and dangers. And the task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment, You don't see Paul whining about these things that are happening in culture, but he gets straight to the point. This is pride that's keeping the church back. You know, we see signs of cultural pride where in America, especially right now, volunteerism is on the the decline. There was an article in the Star Tribune in 2019 that said Minnesota is uh, number three in the nation for volunteerism. But in our culture, in our day and age, volunteering is becoming harder and harder to do. It's harder and harder to get volunteers. It's harder and harder to get people to do things for no uh, remediation. Our culture is more self-absorbed than ever. That's something every one of us can see in one way or another. But a direction that I want to take us this morning, a question that I want to ask, is how do we get a healthy view of ourself? How do we get a healthy view of ourself? The word Paul uses to describe the natural condition of the ego is pride. And meaning something that is overinflated beyond its proper size. And uh, I have a balloon to help us illustrate this. So he uses, uh, you know, a lot of us have seen pride work out in being puffed up, 
I think of 1 Corinthians 8, where it says, knowledge puffs up, but love, does anybody know the word? Abides, right? Knowledge puffs up, but love abides. Paul uses this this illustration of, 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 he only uses this four or five times in the New Testament, but this word for pride, it means overinflated beyond its proper size. And so when we say something that builds ourselves up, it's like taking a breath into that balloon. And you see it. It's, it's putting on a show. When we do something to get attention from other people, when you have a photo dump that goes on Instagram, say, look at me, I got all this stuff. Look at my cars. When we draw attention to ourselves and have pride in the way that we deal with people, we get overinflated. You know, the natural condition of the self is prideful and therefore empty, painful, busy, and fragile. Are balloons fragile? Yeah. Get something sharper up here, we're going to hear some noise, right? Spiritual pride is the illusion that you are big enough to have uh, meaning in life without God. I don't need God. I, 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 I can spiritually sustain myself. Sometimes that leads us to be even more prideful. Your ego is always drawing attention to itself because there is something wrong with it. Things don't draw attention to themselves unless something is wrong with them. The ego is always busy drawing attention to itself by comparing itself to other people. Pride is, by nature, competitive. We're always trying to have better stuff, have more things, collect more, and be more than the people around us. Now, the funny thing about this is you may not feel like you fit in that category. But pride also works the other way when we deflate ourselves. Pride works the other way that if we throw out statements that are self-deprecating, if we say, oh, I'm not good at anything, or, oh, I I could never do this, or I could never do that, well, I'm just no good. That's deflating ourselves and causing just as much of a show. It's that puffed up, but we're puffed up in a different way. And that's our ego at work just as much as somebody that is boasting. You know, there's an interesting um, thing for, uh, an interesting example from recent years. Uh, the two, uh, if we can go to the next slide. Uh, the 2017 movie, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Has anybody seen Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, great soundtrack, super exciting. But the, the second edition, the volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy, there is a planet called Ego. And it is Peter Quill, who's the main protagonist. It's his dad. And he doesn't know yet. He finds out through a series of events. But he finds out Peter Quill's origin story. And his origin story is this planet Ego is going around all the galaxy trying to plant plants and clone himself on every planet. 
Is that equated ego? Yeah, that's an egomaniac. He wants to be on every planet in the entire galaxy. And it becomes a problem. But that's, Peter was the only one of those planets that survived. Or the only one of those plants that survived. And that's the effect that, that ego can have. And I think that movie, it brilliantly illustrates the point that the ego is always busy drawing attention to itself by comparing itself to other people, whether being puffed up or being deflated, but it makes a lot of noise. It draws a lot of attention. And we see this happens in this movie. Your ego, ego is constantly building a resume. The ego is fragile because it's always in danger of being deflated. Because of the natural pride of the Corinthians, they weren't enjoying uh, the fact they knew Paul. Rather, they were using the fact they knew Paul uh, to one-up one another. So Paul shuts it down. He says, no more boasting. He says, I don't care whether you follow Paul or Apollos or Cephas, the world or life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours. You have Christ. Why do you care about these other people? Why do you care about these other things? God's opinion of us is the only thing that counts. I want you to take that home today. God's opinion of us is the only thing that counts. In other religious or life, religions or lifestyles, the performance leads to a verdict. In Christianity, the verdict leads to performance. Is that amazing? Every other world religion is a works-based righteousness. We earn righteousness in Islam by following the five pillars of Islam. Buddha had awesome, wonderful sayings, and we follow the sayings of Buddha, and we might attain nirvana. You could follow different things in this world. The performance leads to the verdict. But, the, but it's the complete opposite in Christianity. It's the complete opposite when it comes to Christ. It's because what Christ has done for you, that inspires us and changes our hearts and drives us towards performance. Drives us towards a changed life. God's verdict to us in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul is getting to here, that it is not about who you belong to. It's not about these different things. A person should consider it this way, a servant of Christ and managers of God's mysteries. In this regard, it is expected of managers that each one of them be found faithful. I love that. But God's verdict to us is Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. It is not about being good enough. Because you'll never be good enough on your own. It is about the righteousness. Righteous. Righteousness. Found in Christ. 
We simply live and perform on the basis of God's verdict that he loves and accepts us. Paul makes that painfully clear in chapter 4. And it changes everything for us. When we flee pleasing our ego, we are free to live in the gospel of humility Christ calls us to. So my question to you today, seniors, my question to you today, church, in what ways do you need to flee pleasing your ego? Either being puffed up or becoming deflated. In what ways do you need to flee pleasing your ego? And in what ways can you embrace gospel humility? You know, the beautiful thing about the, a gospel humble person is you'd never know it just meeting them. Somebody that's truly gospel humble, you would never know it just talking to them because they wouldn't talk about it. It wouldn't come up in conversation. But the thing about a gospel humble person is that they are entirely interested in you. If you meet a gospel humble person, they are interested in what your life is about and how they can tangibly love you and serve you and care for you as Christ has done done for us. How are you fleeing? How can you flee pleasing your ego? And how can you live free in gospel humility Christ comes us, uh, calls us to? It's only through the cross. It's only through Christ. It's only through surrendering our will to His will and saying it's not about me. The me retreat was a wonderful success. You know why? Because kids walked away from that retreat wanting to flee their own desires. You know, I love when Jesus brings this same idea home. Luke 9.23, he preaches a go-away sermon. People had come to him for a free lunch. How many guys like free lunch? Anybody like free lunch? I love free lunch. I love free stuff in general. But people had come and gathered and followed him and were excited about what he was doing. But Jesus preaches a go-away sermon in Luke 9.23 where he says, If anyone is to come after me, you guys have been following me physically, but if you want to do what I do, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. That's a go-away sermon. I mean, they self-denial means you're setting yourself aside. You're living for me. Pick up your cross. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. But everybody had a painful understanding of what the cross was and what the cross meant. Pick up your cross. Embrace death. That's a heavy call. And follow me daily. Jesus was inviting them into personal relationship, fellowship with his spirit. That's what he offers to us today. 
You know, when we think about this text, we think about this section of Scripture, one thing that comes to mind is the idea of judgment and a jury. Of sometimes we might feel like we're in the court of public opinion whenever we go out. Whenever we talk to somebody, whenever we spend time with people, how is this person judging me? How am I judging them? What does that person think about what I'm doing or what I said? Did I do that just right? Did I fulfill their expectation of what I should be? The beautiful thing about the gospel is that Jesus throws it out the window. If we are on trial, like we tend to think, it leads us to serving ourselves. But we are not on trial like we tend to think because Jesus has already been on trial for us. That the verdict has been served, that Christ has paid the ultimate price for every one of your sins and that you are declared 100% righteous because of his sacrifice. We are not on trial like we tend to think because Jesus already went on trial for us. Can you take that reality? Can you take that truth? Can you cling to it today? So that's what Christ has done for us, that he took the punishment meant for us. When I look at the cross, I think of that is what I deserve. Because of my sin, that is what I deserve. But it's the love of God that pursued me and cared for me and didn't leave me just lollygagging, but brought me to spiritual life. Where are you at? Where are you at with the verdict that Jesus has delivered? Have you embraced that verdict for yourself? Can you resonate with Paul as he, as he says here, I am free of judgment? Can you resonate with Paul here when he says, I don't care what people think. I think in verse 3, in fact, I don't even evaluate myself. For I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. The one who evaluates me is the Lord. And it's not him saying, I don't care what you think. I answer to God alone. He's not folding his arms and saying that. But what he is saying is, I, an- I have answered to the Lord alone, and I have confessed my sin, and I know that I'm forgiven. I've heard people say that before. <laughs> I answer to God and God alone. Okay. But you see Paul living without baggage. You see Paul speaking freely without baggage. That his conscience is clear because of what Christ has done. That he understands the gospel humility that only comes by Christ. Jesus took the trial for us. Take that truth today.
Will you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word that brings us life. Lord, we ask that you would give us the strength that we might be able to flee the kingdom of me, that we would be free of ourselves, that we would be free of the control that we try to put on our own lives. And Lord, free us so that we might follow you, we might desire to be in relationship with you, desire to please you above all else, regardless of what anybody thinks. And Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, Lord, you would convict us of our sin, that we might turn from it and embrace your righteousness. Lord, we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.